Goodman's a twerking machine. That's not his daughter. And oh, by the way, there's an alien invasion going on outside. This is spoilers! This is spoilers. Put your movies back in their sleeves. Welcome to Spoilers, the first podcast you listen to when you're done with the movie, or right before if you don't give a shit like us. This week, man, we're off, we're done with a piece of cinematic gold that was Cool Runnings. Let's never talk about Cool Runnings again. And heading south to uh, Louisiana, where if True Detective taught me anything, the Pelican State is a great place to meet people. (laughs) Uh, We're specifically headed to 10 Cloverfield Lane. So I've got kind of a new idea to uh, introduce ourselves today. It's called The Trailer Game. Uh, so I've seen a few trailers in the past couple weeks, I think look intriguing, uh, riveting or Ghostbusters too. So, Good God. or three. So, so, uh, uh, here's what I saw. I saw X-Men, I saw Captain America, whatever, whatever, Hardcore Henry, Huntsman and Ghostbusters. Uh, so we'll start with Stevie. What trailers have you seen in the past week, and uh, what do you think about it? Uh, this is a new trailer I saw. Really intriguing. It's from uh, Richard uh, Linklater, who brought us uh, Days of Confused. He's coming out with his '80s movie called uh, Everybody Wants Some, named after uh, Van Halen's song. And it looks awesome. Uh, not any known actors in it at all. It looks hilarious, and I'm really excited for it. Uh, I'm Mikey, and I saw the Captain America trailer, Civil War. And I am super excited for it because I think all of the Captain America movies have been some of the best out of the whole Marvel universe so far. And we get Spider-Man again. Third time's a charm. Will he be dancing in the jazz club? No. This seems like a serious take on Spider-Man. Did you hear the voice of Spider-Man, though? Did you see the second trailer where you hear him say, like, hi, guys, or whatever? He sounds like he's 12 years old. He is 12. He is, like... 16 or something. Yeah, he's super young. Great. Well, he was in the comics, wasn't he? Yeah, I don't know. I kind of said I kind of set out the last Spider-Man reincarnation. I only saw the Toby whatever one, McGuire. Andrew Garfield was a really good Spider-Man. Uh, but I'm Pappy in Minneapolis and I like to talk about the Ghostbusters trailer today. Uh So, <sighs> just, I don't think I need to say anything other than I'm looking at it on YouTube right now. It has 25 million views, 192,000 thumbs ups, and almost 500,000 thumbs downs. Oh my god! <laughs> here oh are the god. contact. Or here are the, the the top comments for the the trailer right now. Be right back. Just going to gouge my eyes out with a spork. I literally checked to make sure Adam Sandler wasn't in it. Oh my god! <laughs> A quote socially progressive unquote movie with an all female led cast. Yet the white people are all genius level scientists, and the black person is a violent, aggressive, sass talking transport worker who has to borrow her uncle's car because she doesn't even own her own vehicle. Well, it is New York City. <laughs> I mean, the reaction to this movie was was angry. People were pissed. It didn't look great. It just looks really bad. Really, really bad. Uh, so now's the part of the podcast where we talk about what happened in the movie. Um, the movie is Michelle. Our main character is presumably leaving her fiancé, Ben, played by Bradley Cooper, who really phoned it in on this one, if you ask me. Um, get it? Phoned it in? Okay. Okay. Just let it sit. <laughs> I'm just going to let it fester out. <laughs> 
when she gets in a car accident of questionable causation. Uh, she wakes up to find herself chained in a bed uh, and enter her captor slash savior, Howard, played by the incomparable John Goodman, who explains to her that there's been an attack. Uh, Michelle doesn't trust him, and neither does the audience at this point. Uh, so we're kind of in act one where she's cordial, but she's also trying to plot her escape. Um, enter Elliot, the simple country boy. Uh, any aspect of a romantic relationship is instantly shut down between them by John Goodman. I think she's trying to pull like some sort of misdirection to, to do her escape. Um, but ultimately, they show the scene from the trailer where she breaks a bottle over his head, and she's able to make it all the way to the bunker door. Uh, where Howard's story is at least semi-confirmed because she sees like a zombie woman sort of deteriorating away. So now enter the second act of the movie where it's sort of this montage of, of happy family time almost. They're cooking, they're cleaning, they're being a family. Uh, they play Monopoly in life. Uh, at one point, Michelle cheats during life. She actually um, steals one of those little life tiles. I don't know if you guys noticed that part in the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, but she cheats and john good uh howard john goodman's character says am i the only one here who gives a fuck about the rules phenomenal big lebowski so reference. this continues on until one day the air filter breaks and of course this critical piece of survival equipment the only way you access it is by crawling through the vents something john goodman could never possibly do but luckily michelle's there she's able to climb through the vents uh and fix this complex piece of air filtration by flipping the switch off and on a few times. Works perfectly. Uh, but she does find a bloody earring and helped scratch from the inside out on an escape hatch in the uh, sort of boiler room thing. Kind of a small skylight, yeah. Yeah, so she freaks out. She goes to tell Elliot. And the two of them put this like story together that this girl went missing. They find a Polaroid picture of John and the girl. I'm not sure who that picture was taken by, but they find it. And they basically decide that, oh, shit, like I'm wearing the clothes of this girl who got kidnapped. This guy is a complete liar. So but they do know that there's still some sort of an attack going on. At least that part's true. So she uses her clothes designer background to create a gas mask out of a spacesuit uh, to work her escape. The problem is that Howard finds out some of his stuff's missing, uh, busts out his handy vat of acid he keeps under the stairway and proceeds to shoot Elliot in the face. Emmett. Whatever. Michelle is able to ultimately <laughs> use this acid to create her own escape path, only to find out that there is actually an alien invasion outside. They're alerted of her presence because she sets off the car alarm of the zombie woman because all zombies are sensible and lock their cars before they pass away. <laughs> uh, she escapes, and after scanning the AM radio, uh, she hears a couple of different broadcasts and chooses to stop running for the first time in her life. Uh, and literally takes a turn in the road, kind of on the nose, and goes to join the fight. So it was directed by Dan Trachtenberg. Sounds about uh, right. Screen written, or uh, the story was by Josh Campbell and Ma Matthew Stroiken. Uh The screenplay was by those two, plus Damien Chazelle. Uh, he did the screenplay for Whiplash, so oh, uh, great movie. Um, starring John Goodman, who killed it. Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who also, I think, did a really good job, and John Gallagher Jr. The movie is rated PG-13, came in in 106 minutes, uh, only had a budget of about $5 million, but ended up making 25.2 this past opening weekend, and uh, was done by Bad Robot. J.J. Abrams' company, I think Star Wars, Star Trek, 
Mission Impossible. Uh, Mission Impossible. Lost. Obviously lost. Yeah. So uh, that brings us to the debate portion of the podcast. I think we've got a really good one, a Bruin. Um, and please don't describe this movie as a spiritual successor. I will turn this podcast around. Let's start with <laughs> Vince. Vince, the intern, who's is gone. He's gone. Left. Let's start with Mikey then. Okay. Uh, well, maybe the reason John Goodman was so adamant in keeping Michelle was because he knew that he couldn't fit in the vent. Maybe that's why he kidnapped her. Did we think about that? Well, that's what I was wondering about the whole crash thing. Like, because he claims that he ran her off the road, but I don't know. Okay, and then the other thing is, you guys think this is directly related to Cloverfield or in the same universe? Or what? I, I'm not exactly sure how to describe this movie if it is Cloverfield. I compare it to Twilight Zone, and Cloverfield's kind of like a name like Twilight Zone. Okay, that makes more sense. But you don't think it's in the same universe as the NYC attack? Not at all. Otherwise, they would have mentioned it. I disagree. I think it was in the same universe. The reason being, there's a direct connection with the... What was it? Whether or not you think the Targ... Ruto Corporation. Did you guys all read that piece? Oh, the satellite company? The satellite thing? Yeah. So, I mean, that that could have just been, like, I guess, an homage to it. But there is one point. But I think JJ does that with a lot of stuff because there's, like, a slushy company or something in Cloverfield that's also in Lost. That in the Kelvin gas station that was in Super 8 and is also in this movie. Yeah, and, but I, I think that part of it may have been that there's one speech that John Goodman has where he's talking about uh, how the attack would go down. And I, and this is just a complete theory. I don't know if it's true or not, but, but as I digress, this part of the reason I liked the movie was because it's kind of, it sparked my imagination and it was a complete thrill ride. I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, but at one point, John Goodman says something to, along the lines of, how I would do it would be, or how would the evasion was going to work? It was going to be one massive attack that kind of wipes everybody out. Then like a follow-up attack. So I didn't know if maybe that the alien thing was happening at the same time Okay. in New York. I, it's just a theory and it might not be true. Um, I hope it's true. But in the, when Emmett also mentioned, mentioned something about the flash to the North, I didn't know if that could be like the nuclear bomb going off in New York or something. So I don't know. I, I thought there's a lot of possibilities there, and I think they left the door open very intentionally in a cool way. What year was the first Cloverfield movie set in? Was it in 2008? I don't know. Because there's an because uh, in t- 10 Cloverfield Lane, uh, Mary has an iPhone 5, or Michelle has an iPhone 5, and that wouldn't have been around during 2008 during Cloverfield. Right, and and the, the attack couldn't have happened because. I mean, it, the, the timeline for the, the movie would have to be that literally the monster surfaced in between the time that right. uh, Michelle was knocked out or whatever. Yeah, also how long was she knocked out? Because if the an entire, like, if aliens were taking over entire cities in the time that she was knocked out and she happened to be dragged down there bef- before they got to the country, how long was she 
not aware of what was going on. That's a really good point. I feel like it would have had to been a while because th- this whole scene of John Goodman gets back to the bunker and Emmett fights his way in, uh, gets injured, gets his arm in a sling, and then she wakes up probably like a day or two after that even. That, and that was a pretty cool knee brace that she was uh, sporting there when she woke up. Who owns that? It was terrifying. <laughs> why Why did he... Chain her up? To begin with, yeah. like, There's no reason. I have no idea. It was just... Uh... Unless he thought he was going to like freak out. She was going to freak out and open the door. I mean, he is a survivalist, so I wouldn't put anything past him mentally. Then also, at the end of the movie... Uh, I didn't like that they showed the alien. I would have been fine with them not showing what the monster or what the alien was at all. I think it kind of just took away from from uh, the suspense factor, for me at least. Because I kind of like that in Cloverfield where they kind of left you know, wanting more. But I guess this is a different movie. Well, that was like the worst part of the whole movie was the Molotov cocktail in the alien's mouth. Very what were, yeah. very, were those things? Very, like, what, what were the worlds like? Yeah, what were those things? Uh, it, looked, it looked like a mothership, honestly. But uh, it, it was alive? Yeah, it was like an, it was like an alien with armor. I, I don't know. It was hard to describe. And also that worm dog with that terrifying teeth that ripped off her mask. Like you really don't get like very clear shots of the alien to begin with, so I mean, or the aliens for that matter. Uh, I was happy they showed the aliens personally, because you know, throughout the whole movie, especially with the whole kidnapping the girl thing and girls gone missing, you're like, oh, okay, it's just this nut who wanted to keep her down there forever. Made up the story about okay, the world ended. I would have been fine with that. That would that would have been a that would have made me angry. But, uh, that would have been like the village though yeah and that would have been really I'd have been like okay I just wasted my time watching that and then out of nowhere the aliens come and I was like oh my god he was right about everything but Michelle kind of has to make this choice of do I stay down there and die with him or do I go up you know and try to at least live for a little bit mm-hmm. I don't know I just thought like the whole timeline of her her leaving her apartment and then driving through the country, like where was she heading? And then John Goodman somehow gets word that aliens are attacking. So he runs her off the road and drags her down there and then aliens attack. Well, see, so that's the other thing too. Isn't there this whole conspiracy that the original monster was woken up with a satellite? Cause it came from the seas. And yeah, there's that shot in the first one where the satellite goes down in Coney Island. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but he, he worked in the Navy as a satellite with data. And so maybe like, I don't know, did he like somehow see this transmission come across and like get the idea that like something is going on. So he runs to a survival bunker. Like he has this inside military knowledge. He's running to a survival bunker, uh, runs her off the road for whatever reason i'm still not sure yet was that um, was that him behind her at the gas station in the beginning Ooh, i don't know because if it was i wouldn't be surprised if like he was just going to kidnap her anyway and then it was just happenstance that the alien like the the attack happened in that moment you know what i mean it kind of bailed him out 
Oh, that makes sense. What do you think yeah. about that, Pep? Think it's possible? So you're saying that he was at, he was planning on doing this the whole time? My thing is... He was planning on kidnapping someone? I think he was planning on kidnapping someone because, I mean, you can say he's a survivalist and a conspiracy theorist, but I also think he was a bit deluded in the fact that... Because I do think his daughter was real. I think he kind of wanted someone to play daughter again. So I think he was going to kidnap her anyway. Yeah, no, I I don't think that the I well, I don't think that he's a pedophile. I think he was trying right. to make his family whole again. Was his whole right angle at it? That's like you know she he like wanted her to be his daughter like like that scene where she touches Emmett when they're playing uh, at dinner and he just freaks out and then he also like says stuff like you know my little princess and also that super creepy moment where. Emmett's already dead after he gets shot in the face. And he shaves. And he shaves. The best, and dresses part, of the whole mo- the best part of the whole movie. What shaved, a great detail. Dresses up, presses his pants, wearing a collared shirt, and you're like, okay, this just got real. He's <laughs> you, just all over the place. So like, even during the happy scenes, it's like you're walking on pins and needles whenever you're around him. You know yeah, I mean? there was like that five-minute stretch. You're like, okay, I can trust Johnny Goodman. He's on the good side now. And then it just went to hell. Well, maybe... Maybe he's like that because he knows what's going on with the whole satellite thing. Maybe that's why he's kind of crazy. Well, see, that's, yeah, knows. that's what I'm saying is that he somehow had access to information, knows shit's about to go down, uh, and then like heads for the hills. But it still doesn't explain why he ran her off the road. But I, the brilliance of me to this movie is the ambiguity and like how many questions you have. This is what I love about movies when they don't over explain mm-hmm. and it's left for people like us to like talk and debate and think and oh it could be this way it could be this way i mean in reality dude they probably don't even have a plan right i mean like well probably just left all these doors open on purpose pappy you and i talked about this on minor spoilers but the first cloverfield uh that uh jj interview jj abrams did an interview with screen slam and he definitely he makes it sound like they have like an awesome plan. He's like, if I get to do it, it'll be amazing that I can connect everything with the third movie. So here's my theory. Here's what I think is going to happen is that we're going to, the first movie was the initial invasion and it's kind of like a defeat for people. Like everyone dies. Yeah. The, the, all of the protagonists die and you're left with, Oh, we just nuked the largest city in the United States, which I wish one of us was a scientist. Could you see a nuke explosion in the United States in central Louisiana? That would be interesting to know. Because that, that they do explain like the flash in the north. That could just been the aliens like landing or whatever, but it could also be the nuke. Because Cloverfield 1 takes place within like 24 hours, right? If like putting this timeline together, the, this invasion could have happened in the time that Michelle was passed out, in my opinion that's true yeah so so that was like sort of the the aliens dropping the nuke on us they send in the ground troops with the gas or whatever and then um so that's like the first movie the second movie is sort of us realizing what's happening laying low and then the third movie i think this was kind of hinted in the in the very very end which yeah it was on the nose and it was a little bit cheesy but i like the fact that she stopped running and started to actually address her problems. It kind of goes back to the opening scene with Bradley Cooper. She was 
was picking up the phone but wouldn't say anything. Now she's sort of dealing with her problems head on. And I think the third movie could be humanity fighting back. But I think each of the movies will have a, like a, not a catch, but like a niche, something like yeah. the first one was shot first person. This one was sort of a bottle story where you're stuck in the bunker. Very claustrophobic. I think, yeah. I think the third one will be done in a creative way, but it'll start to tie things together and it'll focus on humanity fighting back against this enemy because pretty much they just kick our ass in every in every in all of these movies would you guys like it though if every story was different kind of like a modern day twilight zone and cloverfield was just like the name moniker how different like they're not related i mean it's just i mean i don't know that's why i, I really like this one because i didn't really see any connection to the first one really except for those small easter eggs and uh you know, like like growing up in my family, we used to watch this show called Night Gallery all the time, which uh, was a follow up after the Twilight Zone. And uh, I think that's what I hope at least JJ and Bad Robots doing. They're kind of creating their modern day Twilight Zone. So it was just like a really cool standalone movie. You know, because they didn't have to stretch or reach to try to, you know, connect it to the first one. You know, it was just it was just kind of yeah. like its own movie. And I think that'd be so cool. If like Cloverfield movies are like an event of what happens in this Cloverfield, you know what so I mean? So it's like this franchise of shot in a unique way. Yeah, and I think that'd be really neat for movies. It's like you know, it almost be like an event, like the Twilight Zone, where it's just like everyone is different, but kind of like borderline, you know, they're kind of going towards the same thing. I dig it. That is, that is cool. I think that I think that'd be amazing if that's what they're doing. If they make like four or five movies, and it's just like this anthology of like awesome stories about humanity dealing with the extinction extinction. So I hope that, I hope that's what they're doing. I think my problem with the movie was that, I mean, you guys made a lot of good points and I can appreciate it more, but my problem was, uh, I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be in the same universe or anything at all. And then the ending was just completely different from what the original Cloverfield was until you guys like started theorizing and it made a little more sense. But he could also go in a completely different direction, and then I will for the third movie if he makes another one, and I will be back to square one. Like, what is this actually about again? <laughs> but that's why I think it was like the perfect quasi sequel. Like, it, I didn't really like the first Cloverfield, but now I'm all on board for this franchise. I think it was kind of like uh, Misery meets War of the Worlds, which are two movies that I really like. So I kind of address both movies. And plus, I love the ending of like the lightning flashing. You see like those alien ships just going over the ground trying to sweep for people. That was awesome. I thought I thought the lightning lightning going off and seeing their shadows of like their ship slash armored bodies was awesome. Well, here's what I was going to say to Vince about the ending before he quit. His whole point was that I know exactly what the ending is going to be like. She's got to go the the thing. There's not going to be any monsters and she's got to get out. If that was the ending, we would all be pissed as fuck right now. The ending oh, yeah. came completely out of left field and people are still like semi pissed about it or say it's the worst part of the movie. I would agree that it's not as, you know, it's not as great cinema as the, as the bottle episode and, and the tension that that creates, but it was an ending that I don't think anybody predicted at all. And you couldn't have predicted it, which made it cool. It was an intense 20 minutes. I mean, those last 20 minutes, my heart was pumping the whole time from like when she got up out of the skylight and like, She's just like, they have that shot of her just like breathing through that mask and not really being able to run and being disoriented. I was like, okay, mm -hmm. this is getting awesome. And then like when she cuts her suit, when she cuts a hole in her suit 
and she like starts like taping it frantically and like you're just like okay she's just as crazy as howard now if like she actually believes that and you're right pap it came so completely out of left field when you see that giant ship coming into screen you're like okay this movie's awesome i think this ending would have been a better this ending is better than nothing crazy was actually going on that's for sure like yeah but there was something going on outside but i guess i wanted more of a connection to the original like a more of a solid connection to the original this could still be related somehow like you guys said but i wanted actual proof that these two are in the same universe instead of just like the kelvin gas station so is the perfect ending for you mikey that it's the giant godzilla thing walking around up there no isn't the godzilla thing dead at the end of the first one no it's still alive they nuke it isn't it ambiguous at at the end of the credits of the first one um the last words before the screen goes black is it's like a military call and it says it's still alive oh shit i didn't even see that there you go this is what you have me for i love cloverfield Uh, I mean, I didn't need to see the giant monster, but because he was theorizing about the gas stuff and everything and taking out large cities first and all that stuff. So it didn't have to be the monster exactly, but just something like related to the military freaking out like everybody's everybody's going to shit or something. I don't know. It didn't have to be the actual Cloverfield monster. I don't know. I I was surprised that it was aliens. I was expecting something different because aliens seemed like Cloverfield seemed like something that was already on earth and that it woke up from the sea or something. But that's, this is like aliens came from space and they somehow knew about this monster, woke it up with that satellite thing. And they're just like piggybacking off attacking from the Cloverfield monster or something. It didn't really make any sense to me at the end. If they are connected. I I just watched the first Cloverfield for the first time this week, like one or two days right before I watched this newest one. And one thing I noticed for sure is they definitely use the monster noise at one point when she's in the, yeah. like a hundred percent carbon copy. They use the sound effect from the first movie. It's kind of like this monster roar. Like, talking about the mothership when yeah. he's like put, putting it in her mouth, in his mouth. I don't know if it's there. I, I was thinking of at the end when she, or at the beginning, sort of when they first start to hear the cars go over. And okay. she goes to Emmett and she's like, I heard a car or whatever, but you're also hearing kind of like these weird noises too. Like they uh-huh. definitely use the noise from the first movie. I'm almost positive on that point. Um, but yeah, I I forgot what I was going to say for the second point, but it was good. <laughs> <laughs> I guess with this franchise, I'd be happiest if none of them are connected and they're their own unique stories. That's what I would be happiest with. There wouldn't have to be any far out reaches and they could just do whatever they wanted. I yeah, mean, I, hope, I hope they're connected in some way. I hope they explain how the alien knew about Cloverfield Monster or that they planted it there. Or what if it's their years ago or something? I don't know. What if the Cloverfield Monster is on our side? Or maybe that thing falling from the sky at the end of the first one was the actual monster. I don't know. Like, they chucked it down there. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. Yeah. In the second point that I remember from the first one, what you just said was that 
they never actually say that that's where the monster came from. I think TJ Miller speculates that at one point, and so you're just led to believe, okay, probably. But I mean, for all we really know, we're just seeing it through the eyes of these people at a party. Like, it could have fallen from the sky or fallen from the sky in the Pacific Ocean and worked its way all the way over to New York or something. You know, like I don't know. The the main characters never know what's going on, which is cool which is because cool. the audience doesn't know what's going on. And mm-hmm. so I think the third one will be some sort of resistance movement shot in an interesting way, but there's never going to be this scene where you're watching a news report and they say the alien and, or I said, pray to God, there's never a scene where you're watching a news <laughs> report where everything is filled in directly within five minutes. So conveniently for you. I just hope that never, ever happens. Well, I think J.J. Abrams is kind of like uh, Steven Spielberg in that way, is always keep uh, news out of your movies. Like, as much as you can, keep the news out of your movies. I'll, you... I'll, I'll agree with that. Yeah, so... I hate when they cut to, like, a news desk and... Breaking news, Earth has gone to shit. <laughs> so you you guys want these two to be connected, then? I do. I do. And I want the third to be, like, addressing all of it. Because to our point, we've had this conversation throughout the week in our group thread. Like, the ending is probably the weakest part because John Goodman is probably the best part, right? Not saying that the ending is necessarily inherently bad, but what makes this movie is Goodman's performance. Him so, and John Gallagher Jr. and John Gallagher Jr. did really good. Why would you throw in that ending unless it was part of some big plan? Like, there's no reason to throw in that crazy. I think it was like an homage to like War of the Worlds or something like that. Maybe I don't kind know. Just a tip of the cap to it. But you could have you could have ended the movie with her poking out her head and seeing the scene of the lightning and the spaceships and cut to black, and that would have been very effective. Yeah, you probably could have. I don't know. I mean, as I said, I, as a huge Twilight Zone fan, I hope they're going in that direction because I just couldn't find a connection with the first two movies, and that doesn't make me angry at all. My second gripe with the movie is how John Goodman's character is just like the axe is thrown down on his character and he's just completely gone. Like it made it seem like he would have eventually gotten out because she locks him back in there somehow. Back in the uh, the bunker. He had keys though, didn't he? I'm sure he had keys, but it, it just the bunker blows up and then you never see John Goodman again for like the last 15 minutes of the movie which seemed really odd to me at least. I don't know. He w- They built up this whole scene where he was chasing her throughout the bunker and everything, and then she escapes, closes the door, and then that's it from John Goodman. You don't see him again. And then it, then it's now a, uh, an alien movie after that. I, I agree. So I actually want to take a quick commercial break i want to come back and talk about goodman's performance i want to talk about the humor that was used in this movie and then also the uh um the pg-13 rating because i thought that was pretty interesting uh but we're yeah. a commercial real break this is go to commercial real quick this is spoilers grab a beer Twilight Zone. That's why I kept bringing up the Twilight Zone. It's kind of what it reminds me of. All right, let's bring it back. Three, right. two, one. 
Welcome back to spoilers. <laughs> One intern down. Yeah, we're hiring. So, so the pay is zero dollars an hour. Yeah, submit your resume, LinkedIn, and a prezi about your life to <laughs> our email address, and we'll we'll shop you guys. Uh, so uh, the reason that I think that I love this movie, and the reason that I think it fits well with the first Cloverfield movie, is there there are a couple of things that are a part of, and Stevie in our commercial break used the word anthology. There's a couple of parts of the anthology that make it a Cloverfield movie. One of them being a one character perspective. So if you watch Clover, 10 Cloverfield Lane, there's one scene, only one scene that Michelle's not in. And that's pretty cool. So like the whole time. What I, scene? I shit. I only have one scene that she's not in written down. I don't know which one. Really? There's only one scene she's not in. Yeah, I think it's like an aside with John Goodman and and Elliot. Oh, when he's talking to him at the kitchen or something. Yeah, I think that's the one scene she he, she's not in. So the whole it's time like modern day like sci-fi noir. That's awesome. Exactly. So the whole time you're putting yourself in her shoes and being like, okay, what's my breaking point with Howard? At one point, do I think he's crazy? At what point do I trust him? At what point do I smash a bottle over his face? And you kind of get the same thing from Cloverfield where you see everything from TJ Miller's perspective for better or worse. Um, he just needed to shut up. He was awful. But that brings me to the second point is that I think that th- there was humor in this movie and it was done so much better than the first Cloverfield. Like the cat puzzle that was missing an eye. That was funny. That made me <laughs> chuckle. Like it added some levity to the scene. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you guys had anything to think about I guess motifs between the first and the second or, or the humor. But I, I, that, those connections are the part that I love the most. I think the worst part about the first glory Field's humor was just, it was off the wall. Obvious. There was nothing for like the uh, audience to internalize and be like, Oh, okay. It was like TJ Miller to explain everything to us, which I think was just, I mean, humor wise was the worst part about the first one. And I think you're right. The humor was done really well in this one, especially with John Goodman twerking at the jukebox. That was by far my favorite part. Yeah, I agree. The humor was better in this one. In the first one, TJ Miller was just like, oh shit, there's a giant monster or something. Like, something pointing obviously to something. I don't know. This one, it was more subtle. And the cat thing was hilarious. I laughed at that. And the twerking. And there was something else. I can't remember what it was. The second one had a much more professional feel from a tone perspective. We're, we're watching a movie that is a serious movie with funny parts. The first one didn't know what it wanted to be. Like literally in one scene, you could have one of the main protagonist brothers killed by a monster tail on the Brooklyn bridge. And the next second, one of them's cracking jokes. Like it's hard to crack jokes after one of your best friends just dies. You, you would think, right? You'd think. <laughs> yeah. So that didn't really work for me. But was the first one PG-13? Or was that R? first one was, and Pappy, I think you and I touched on this earlier last week, like um, the first Cloverfield couldn't be done like with a normal camera movie. Like it had to be a shaky cam movie. Like otherwise it just would have been an awful, awful movie if it was just done with standard, you know, four camera film. And it was complete opposite with this one where it couldn't be done with shaky cam. It had to be done with professional cameras. So... I'm happy they're mixing it up in that way, from that perspective. And it was all, yeah, that was also a PG-13 movie, but that it just goes to the point of, I I like 
the fact that we're learning about, in my opinion, and it, it could be totally wrong. I could be totally misinterpreting it or I could be reading it right. And then just go in a completely different direction in eight years when I do the next one. But oh, God. I, I like the fact that we're learning about what's happening from the outside in. We always don't know what's happening. We're only seeing it through this one person's view and it's left for, and it, it's so smart because they know that people are going to talk about it. They're going to make podcasts about it. They're going to write blog posts about it. It's creating that viral buzz about a movie because everyone's got to throw in their two cents and think what they thought that they saw. And there's probably not a right answer, right? There's probably not an actual scenario for the third movie they have planned yet, or they, they probably don't know what's happening. Do you think they'll ever wrap it up or will it just be kind of like this open, ambiguous, like interpret it any way you want? I'd be fine with that. I think that's a pretty cool idea. Just it's like a TV series, but with movies. Yeah, that's a pretty cool idea. I'd be fine with that. Yeah, I mean, I'm still sticking to my theory where we're seeing a little bit more of fight from humanity in each one, and I think there's going to be some sort of happy ending where we use a MacBook to link up to the Independence Day destroyer and blow it up or something. I think that's going to happen. You just described the worst movie of all time. I hope it doesn't come to that. I just described Independence Day, I thought. People just hacking, trying to uplink to the Independence Day ship, <laughs> typing a million words a second. I don't know. Did you guys hear, like, uh, for the first movie, everybody thought it was a Voltron movie because nobody was talking about it. Like, nobody knew what it was about. People thought it was, like, an actual Voltron Really? Yeah. Did you guys ever... I don't know. For the first movie, I looked up just about everything for the advertising campaign on that first movie because I was so intrigued as to what was going on. And the second movie, I like looked up nothing. I know it came out pretty soon after they announced it, but also it just didn't look like it was in the same universe, so I didn't look anything up at all about it. Like the first, uh, the first movie had a whole ad campaign that was like there was an online comic and stuff, and they didn't show anything either. It was just like Statue of Liberty's head flying through the street and maybe a tail, maybe yeah. a tail. And so everyone was like, "What is this thing?" One of the best marketing campaigns of all time. Yeah, that, and I put the Dark Knight up there too. Which I mean, it just brings me back to less is always more. Like, why are the first three Star Wars better than the second three? Is they don't spend a lot of time in the fucking Senate debating Imperial law. <laughs> like, you don't you don't need to tell me what's happening. I you didn't like the politics in Star Wars. That wasn't what? the most intriguing part to you. Trust my imagination. I'm. It's fun for me to see a movie that sparks my imagination. You don't need to tell me what's happening. I can fill in the gaps. You don't like passing intergalactic law amongst the planets. You don't like watching people debate? (laughs) (laughs) JJ needs to bring back... uh... Sorry, go ahead, Steve. (laughs) Oh, no, I was just going to say, like I said, less is more because, you know, this movie had a fifth of the budget of the first Cloverfield and it was ten times the movie. So that was just all I was going to put in there. I don't know. I still like the first one more. But, I mean, this was... You guys have convinced me that this is a better movie and if it ties together the way you guys say it will and the third, and if they make a third... This will be a great like franchise series type, whatever he's trying to do with the anthology Twilight Zone series thing. 
Like this is a great idea if that's what he's doing with it. But as far as I can tell right now, they're not really connected. And I think the name was just used to get more asses in the seats is what it feels like. But I really hope it ends up being what you guys say because then I'll appreciate it more. Well, I think it's about that time that we have some uh, final reflection and thoughts on the movie and say yes or no. Um, this movie will only require three yeses to go to these certified fresh. <laughs> no, wait, 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 we stole certified fresh. What's it called? We, we can't <laughs> do that. Uh, preserved. Uh, preserved. Okay. Yeah, preserved. Yeah. So Pasteurized. I'll go first. Um, my my final reflection would be that this is one of the best movies I've seen in theaters in a very long time. Um, I think that's one of those movies that as the internet has a chance to break it down and when there's a good, a really good torrent link out there and when it gets released on um, Blu-ray, the speculation around it will increase. I think it was very intentional in the doors they left open. I think they were very smart in the way that the John Goodman character Definitely said some things that were true, but said some things that were straight up lies. And it's up to you as the audience to figure out what of his you believed, what of his you didn't believe. Um, it's a hard yes for me. It's the best Cloverfield movie with the franchise. And I can't wait for 2026 when we get the next one. <laughs> Stevie? Oh, man. Um, as you said, uh, one of the best movies I've seen in theaters in a long time. Definitely the best movie I've seen in 2016. And I was very high on Zootopia, and this highly surpassed that. Um, I guess the reason I really appreciate it is that, you know, I've mentioned this a thousand times throughout this podcast. I really hope the first two aren't connected, and they're just making episodes, kind of like scary episodes. And they kind of just make it like four or five movies of scary, like a scary episode collection. Um, I thought the real standout was John Gallagher Jr. as Emmett. Uh, I think he's going to get a lot of uh more attention in the acting world i think he'll be a lead on a lead in movies and you know probably three or four years from now and um this movie is a hard hard yes for me and like you said i cannot wait for another cloverfield did goodman earn a supporting actor now yes or no i mean i wouldn't be surprised like he has to get nominated he has to get nominated that's the best performance of his career yeah and that's saying a lot to me and he was sober that's a hard yes. He should at least get nominated. Yeah, if not win. Money? Uh, I mean, I can go either way with this. I hope it's an anthology, and I hope they tie them both together, because that'll be a yes for me, because I really like the first one, and I hope they wrap that Cloverfield story up. Uh, But also, if it's not, I would say yes, but you don't have to see it in theaters. Uh, just cause it's not, it's not a movie that you have to see in theaters because it does, it's inside one room the entire time. So there's no need to go see it on a big screen, but, uh, I'll say yes. It's a good movie. I didn't care for the ending. I don't know what they're trying to do with this franchise. If it is a franchise or if it's just episodes of one sort of twilight zone type thing, JJ is trying to do. I don't know what they're doing with it, but. It's a it's a good movie. Is that is that preserved then? That is preserved. Nice. And great point. Do not 
do not do not waste your money and see this in IMAX. There's no reason to. The only reason there is to buy an IMAX ticket is that you can get it refunded because there is a <laughs> water main leak in your local theater. And now you can see any movie you want for free, and it feels so good. I don't know why they even offered this movie in IMAX. That just seems like more that just seems like more work to try to convert it to that. So was it shot in IMAX? Was not shot in IMAX. So okay, I, any movie that's not true in IMAX, fuck IMAX, in my opinion. Are you guys ready for the trivia question? Did you find one? So here's the deal. And this makes it even more interesting that we only have two people instead of three. <laughs> I am looking at a July 15th, 2003 article posted by Rolling Stone. The best 20 monster movies of all time. Now this game's going to be brutal. The first person to miss loses. All right. I'll go we'll first. We'll go back and forth. No, 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 no. Wait, what, you, what year was this? 2003. 2013. Oh, 2013, okay. Good deal. The best 20 monster movies of all time, according to Rolling Stone. Actually, Stevie, you will go first, because you have hosted less recently than Mikey. Okay. The first person to name a movie that is not on this list is out, and the other person wins, irregardless of how many you have named correctly. What? That's coconuts. All right. Uh, I'll go with Jaws. Damn it. Jaws is on the list. That was my first guess. Jaws was number nine, 1975. That low? That had to be like top five. All right, Mikey, go ahead. Alien. Oh. Alien is number five, 1979. Oh. oh. That was See? my second guess. Damn it, Mikey. And I would encourage you to think historically. This is the best 20 monster movies of all time. Okay. Okay. Twenty best monster movies could be. Oh. Well, I don't want to say Cloverfield. Um. Yeah, is Cloverfield on there? Yeah, you don't. Yeah, of course it is. Is uh, number sixteen. I'm sure the new Cloverfield would be probably number fifteen. Uh, I'll say uh, Godzilla. As number one, Godzilla, nineteen fifty-four, the best monster movie pew, of all time, Barnum. I don't, I don't agree with that, but yeah, our host loves Godzilla. Godzilla's on there, then Stevie. Is King Kong on there? That's number two, nineteen thirty-four. <laughs> monster um, movies of all time. I think we have four, five, six down. How many down? I think we have six. So monster means that it's not human. Is that what is that what counts as a monster? It appears to me that this is sort of of the classical monster vein of extraterrestrial monster vein and of supernatural monster vein. So either giant sharks or things that came no, from no. the depths or things that came from other places. Not to give everything away. Spiritual world. How about? Predator? That's it. It's over. No Predator. Predator's not on there? Can, can, so I, try and, can I try and name one, Pappy? Yeah, go ahead. For one and the bonus. Uh, is Nosferatu on there? No. Okay. Godzilla, King Kong, oh, Frankenstein, Wolfman, Alien, The Fly, Creature from the Black Lagoon, The Talkers Avenger, Jaws, which is named Swamp Thing at number 10, The Blob at number 11, 
The Bob day of the Triffolds, uh, Pan's Labyrinth, Tremors, Little Shop of Horrors, Cloverfield, Mummy, Gremlins, Robert, rounding Mummy. out the top 18, The Thing, and Pacific Rim. Oh, Pacific 20. Rim. That's a good one. So we have a winner. There's someone there that I would not have guessed. No, yeah. it was a completely very biased list, but it was an alternative. The Blob? Table. Really? I mean, it's better than saying name the amount of money this movie made. At least we had a different. Yeah, name. that's true. I'm surprised Nosferatu wasn't on there. That's like one of my favorites. Well, the, the whole reason I, I picked this list is that it was the, the Rolling Stone list was the only one that was not a slideshow of <laughs> of most terrifying monsters. And, I, and I, I can't curate a game show with a slideshow. There's no way. To, I can't have 20 tabs open. So All right. Since there's only, uh, well, there's only two of us outside of me, uh, I'll leave it to you guys. Do you guys want to go stay at home or do you guys want to go to the theaters? Stay at home. Money yeah, I'm fine with that. Due to technical difficulties, the remainder of this episode is only available as premium content. To access this content, you can send an email to podcastspoilers at gmail.com and attach a $20 bill. You can tweet us at, at @spoilerspodcast on the Twitter, and we also accept iTunes reviews. By the way, Stevie selected Passion of the Christ Blackout Drunk Easter Special. We later decided that wasn't such a good idea. Our next major spoilers episode, well, I don't really remember what it is, but it'll be good. Thanks for listening. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Interstellar, you had to see in IMAX just because that movie was huge.